Round table. That's not, um, it's not by accident. The table is round because there's no head of the table. You know, after, uh, after my confession last week, I got to admit, I am thankful for brothers in this room for an immediate outreach and a continuous outreach of some day and night. Thank you. And then for those guys who saw vulnerability from me, it spoke to me about their own issues. It's not just a Bible study, guys. It's great that we learn about God, our Lord, how to do life. But the series on Isaiah, broken relationships, mending those relationships, building new out of the rubble of the past. That's life. That's where the rubber meets the road. Phil was just telling me a couple's uh, weekend was one of the best they've had. Two-gun tactical Tuesday night, Ricky's place. Go online, sign up for it, reserve your spot. Deer Camp, March 4th, is full. If you want to go to Deer Camp, please sign up. There'll be another one in April. If you're an alumni, you can still go. But for new guys, uh, the one in March is full already. So sign up for, for April if you can. I'm looking forward to being there. I'm looking forward to reconnecting. I'm looking forward to getting out of isolation. What's one of the ways you do that? For me, rearrange my schedule. COVID was a terrible, terrible thing. That's George. Walter, terrible. But I was looking at the reports last night about the number of overdoses. What else are we overdosing on? What else are we using to get by on? Changing a schedule, rearranging it where you don't have as much time in isolation. For me, my office staff leaves at noon. And I found myself in my office all afternoons by myself. Now I do my office work in the morning and I get out in the afternoon to go look at jobs in instead of looking at them in the mornings. Just changing schedules, connecting to somebody. As my wife said, what do you mean going sitting with a group of guys? How does that hold you accountable when they're as broken as you are? Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Be open for the prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity of gathering here. Lord, I thank you for my brothers. I thank you for the guys that are here. And just keep showing up. Mm. Keep walking. One foot in front of the other. Mm. Even when the struggles of personal sanity mm. or those of a relationship are overpowering, mm. we wake up and we keep moving. Mm. Lord, it's your work on the cross that you did for each of us, mm. even when we didn't know that we needed it. Thank you for going there and taking our sin upon you, for washing us new. Mm. Thank you for your blood. Mm. In your name we pray. Mm. Amen. Amen.
Morning, gentlemen. Morning. Excited to be here. The joy of being joyful um, is our topic this morning. And I have a song for you from Chris Tomlin. Uh, it's kind of like Christmas today. Uh, I want to uh, share with you Chris Tomlin's version of Joy to the World. Everybody knows that song. Look at your words there on your handout. Um, of course, he uses joy to the world and is uh, typical of Chris Tomlin. He kind of personalizes it and makes it his own. So the first part of the song, everybody's familiar with joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing. And then drop down the very last part. And this is the Chris Tomlin's personalizing joy, unspeakable joy in overflowing well. No tongue can tell. Joy, unspeakable joy rises in my soul, never lets me go. May you hear the voice of God and may your heart be filled with joy this morning. <clears throat>
Merry Christmas. <laughs> right, Quentin? That's great. Joy, 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 joy. It is intended by God to be the primary default internal experience of calling ourselves Jesus followers. Is that yours? Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph, as we can, uh, continue our series, The Power of Relationship to Restore and Renovate. Isaiah 58, 12. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. What an incredible promise from the prophet Isaiah. Restoration of our soul comes when we begin our relationship with God through his son, Jesus. Restoration of our heart and mind continues because of this secure, attached relationship. So much Christian teaching tends to focus on right beliefs and right choices as the key to personal growth, but biblical evidence and modern brain science show that our character is shaped more by whom we love than what we believe. You know, in my counseling practice, I sit with people all day that know a lot about the Bible, been in church many, many years, and yet they can't seem to get out of the ditch in their marriage, in their personal life, uh, in their family life with their kids. It's not an issue of knowing more. It's an issue of how to be with. Um, this past weekend, Carla and I had the privilege of facilitating our couples uh, workshop again with 17 couples. And, you know, one of, one of the pieces that just kind of a freshly amazes me is how the conflict and the difficulty that couples face think that the, that the problem is sitting across from them. I mean, it's so amazing. But really, the problem is the internal work that you've not finished from your childhood. And it's more about your past being projected on to your partner than it is your partner being a problem. In fact, I've shared this before, you know, I was with a counselor one time, I was sitting on the other side uh, of the conversation and I had this counselor, this had the audacity, you know, these stupid counselors, you know, he had the audacity, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was trying to help him understand how hard it is to be married to this little Texas rattlesnake. And he looks at me, and he has the audacity to say, Phil, Carla is not your problem. Well, then you go home and live with her. <laughs> yeah. But he had me nailed. The issue was inside me. Issue was inside me. And, I, and I'm excited that uh, at the end of May, um, if I don't mess this thing up, Carl and I will celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary. How about that? How about that? How about that? I won't be here that week. 
<clears throat> the book of Isaiah will help us see how the promise of salvation would come through the Messiah. But in addition to bringing pardon for sin, intimate relationship with Jesus renovates us wholly, mind, will, and emotion. Truly, we're overhauled, renovate. This study is about how showing how we can train our brains to relate to God based on a joyful, mutual connection with Jesus, which will lead to emotional, relational, and spiritual maturity. So guys, this morning, we're gonna do an exercise. I'd like you to stand up. <clears throat> I'm not gonna hypnotize anybody. I could do that, but you know, I'm not gonna have anybody acting like a chicken or anything, you know? But I want you to listen to this for just a minute, and then I'm gonna have us do an exercise together. <clears throat> Joy means someone is glad to be with me. Glad to see you, Joe. Welcome. The signature of real joy is the sparkle in someone's eye when they see us that makes their face light up. Larry Crabb loves to say, you'll never know who you are until you see yourself in the eyes of another. Still? Love seeing you, man. Glad you got to see me. <laughs> you know, I love those humble old Miss fraternity guys. <laughs> joy is so special that God offers joy as his reward rather than candy, jewelry, good looks, popularity, whiter smiles, or faster internet access. God promises joy more often than he promises eternal life. Isn't that interesting? Joy. I've given you joy. I call you friends. Uh, in in, in Jesus' prayer in John 17, he prays this. Now, I'm returning to you, God. I'm saying these things in the world's hearing so my people can experience my joy completed in them. That's out of the message. Now, in your study Bible, it reads like this. But now I come to thee, O God, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I'm, I'm leaving, but you know what I'm going to leave them? Joy. <clears throat> Look at how our brain develops. Joyful interactions with our mothers, fathers, and those who feed us and other primary caregivers shape the structure, chemistry, and function of the brain. Joy is our most powerful desire, and we are designed to seek joyful interactions automatically from birth. Automatically. I'm looking for joy for the rest of my life. If we cannot find joy, we may try to bury our desire, but we can never escape joy's power. I was made to look for it. God built us this way. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to greet three people that you don't usually greet. Somebody new. I want you to smile. I want you to talk to them with your eyes and send a welcome to each one of those. Three, go. Okay. 
Take your seat. The room is now joyful. Joy is not something that you can self-generate. It is something imparted and given to you through the connection of another. You cannot sit at home by yourself and be joyful unless you are connected. Now you can connect to Jesus um in your prayer closet for sure but the bible teaches that um one of the primary ways that even jesus manifests himself is in his church you got to be in church you can be in church uh in a coffee shop sitting across from your friend having breakfast whatever but you've got to be connected joyful now, I, I, I know all you extroverts, man, you love that exercise. You know, could we just do that every 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 Thursday? And then the introvert's like, oh, dude, you know, if I'd have known that was going to happen, I wouldn't have come. Okay, you know, we don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. And that's why I go to church, because I don't want to be uncomfortable, right? It's like, no, dude, you got to get connected. Got to get connected. You have got to have eye contact. Um, when we start our um, couples workshop, you know, couples are coming in just beat up and banged up. And it's just like some of them are just like, okay, I'll go to this. You know, most all the men have drug problems. You know, they got drug in there, you know, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and she signed, she signed everybody up or, or, or she signed them up and, you know, she and, and him are there. Uh, and, and him is just miserable. Him, him just doesn't want to be there. And, and one of the first exercises, just, um, um, uh, you know, let the cat out of the bag a little bit, is I have everybody kind of go knee to knee, um, knee to knee, touch your knees. Um, you can hold her hand if they want you to, but if they don't want you to hold her hand, don't hold her hand. And I want you to do, we're going to do one minute of just eye contact. Dude, dude, I love it. I mean, I can see sweat coming down the guy's eyebrow. You know, he hadn't looked in his eye uh, in the eyes of his bride since the honeymoon. You know, it's crazy. It it, it creates anxiety, and it is like eventually, eventually, we'll get into the Isaiah passage. You know, in Isaiah six, where even Isaiah says, "God, I want to see you," and God shows up, and what happens? 
Way too much. Just kidding. I'm a man of unclean lips. Depart from me. And it's kind of like a man wanting more contact with his wife, and he gets it. And then it's like, oh, no. Now what do I do? <laughs> kind of like the dog that's got the UPS truck in his, in, his, uh, in his mouth. I've caught it, and I don't know what to do with it. Turn over to Isaiah. <clears throat> Isaiah, the masterpiece of the Old Testament. Guys, what Isaiah is doing is calling a group of broken people that have been beat up by the Assyrians, soon to be beat up by the uh, Babylonians, and he's calling them to the light. The Lord called his people to be the mirroring image of his faithfulness to the world. Now, you think about the exercise that we just did. Um, Guys, to the degree that we've had lots of mirroring is the degree, uh, a healthy mirroring, uh, is the degree that we have low anxiety, we feel close, and we can form relationships. But some of you, uh, unfortunately, had mothers that were going through trauma, tragedy, um, lots of heartache and headache when you were born, and you didn't get good mirroring. And that's part of why you've had difficulty all your life, relationally. You've just not known how to form relationships. And, and, and what God's saying to his people is that he's, he <clears throat> is calling them out on their unfaithfulness at every level. Your personal unfaithfulness, your religious unfaithfulness, your social unfaithfulness. I mean, what does it mean to be a whole person to grow, to be personally, spiritually, and socially connected. Luke 2.52 says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in relationship with God and man. He grew physically, he grew emotionally, he grew spiritually, and he grew socially, relationally. And it's like the book of Isaiah, God is calling them to the light. And look over at Isaiah 35. We've just done this exercise on joy. And verses 8 through 10 says this. Again, the book of Isaiah uh, is not uh, like a chronological book. It, it's really a collection of Isaiah's sermons. And so over in Isaiah 35, listen to this. Isaiah 35, verse 8. There will be a highway called the Holy Road. No one rude or rebellious is permitted on this road. Now, again, what, what I would say about that, no one rude or rebellious is permitted on that road. You know what we say uh, has got to stop that kills your joy is blame and criticism and judgment. Blame and criticism. I mean, how blamey, how critical, um, how judgmental are you? Now, you know, you're going to be somewhat honest about that. 
But you know how you're really going to get uh, good feedback on that? Once again, you look into the eyes of your wife and say, sweetheart, honey bumpkin, sugar cheese. Do I blame you? Do I criticize you? Do you feel judged by me? And then tighten the seatbelt, pull the shoulder harness down, and the chin strap real tight, and wait for it. You might survive. But you'll probably hear more than you realize. Because we all have blind spots. And you are more rude and rebellious than you realize. It's for God's people exclusively impossible to get lost on this road. Not even fools can get lost on it. Thank God. There's hope for you and me. Andy Stanley years ago wrote a book called The Road. It's a great book. I love Andy Stanley, of course. 250 pages on if you're on the right road, it doesn't matter how fast you're going, just keep walking, you'll get there. But if you're on the wrong road, you can go 200 miles an hour NASCAR speed and you'll never get to where you want to go. He spent 250 pages teasing out that thesis. No lions on this road. Now again, lions, you know, it's, you know, sometimes lions is used negatively, positively, but there's a book out called um, Lions Are Born to Roar, so don't get that one mixed up with this. Okay? Yeah, that's right. It's available in the back. That's right. I'll, I'll actually sign it for you. No lions on this road, no dangerous wild animals, nothing and no one dangerous or threatening. Only the, the redeemed will walk on it. And then verse 10, the beautiful promise right out of Isaiah. The people God has ransomed will come back on the road. They'll sing as they make their way home to Zion. Unfading halos of joy encircling their heads. Welcomed home with gifts of joy and gladness as all sorrows and sighs scurry into the night. Joy. Joy. Welcome home. Welcome home. Guys, when you walk into your house tonight, will you walk in joy full and bring joy into your house or 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 will you be a buzzkill you know what a buzzkill is same as a boat anchor <laughs> that's right the same as a boat anchor that's yeah. right yeah it's like oh my goodness here comes daddy you know hide the cat lock up the dog get the children upstairs no Years ago, I had a couple in my office, and, um, you know, she was trying to help um, Lloyd uh, understand uh, his anger and how toxic he is at home. So they're in my office, and I, and I said, uh, Susie, I said, tell me what it's like when you get ready to go home at night. And... Uh, she said, okay. And she said, I work in an office and, um, you know, we close down the office at five o'clock, but I'm always the last one to leave the office. I don't have to be the last one, but I just choose to be the last one. I said, okay. And she said, she, she lets everybody else leave and she cuts out the lights. And uh, she was on an upper story of this office building and the parking uh, was underneath one of those buildings where your parking's on the bottom. Um, it's always good they park, put the parking on the bottom row rather than the second uh, uh, 
Um, so she said, I, I get up from my desk, I walk down the stairwell, and I walk uh, into the parking garage, and I just stand, and I look at my minivan. And this is a true story. She, she says, I look at my minivan, and just try to get my anxiety to settle down. Um, I walk over to my minivan, I start it, um, and I uh, drive home. And when I get into my neighborhood, I drive past my house. And old Lloyd's looking at her, he looks over like, why do you do that? And she looked at him and she says, well, I'm checking to see if you're home. Because I know if you're home, I've got to get prepared for the anger um, and the toxic nature of our home. So she drives around the block. He's there, truck, truck's in the driveway. She pulls in, cuts the minivan off, and then she prays, Lord, give me the strength to survive another night. And she walks in the house. All blame and criticism must stop. We are to be a beacon of light. You carry an energy. You carry an energy that you may not be aware of at all. <clears throat> you need to be aware of what others experience around you. We are called to the light. We're called to be a beacon of light. We're like a lighthouse. I mean, you want your children uh, to know Jesus, then be Jesus. You want your wife to love you, then be loving. The way God's made your um, wife is to be a responder generally. Generally. It's general truth about gender. God has made women to respond, and he's made men to do what? To initiate, to initiate. You want things to be different at your house? How do you make things different at your house? Be different. Quit being a jerk. Quit being a rebellious, rude, blamer, critical. You know what blame and criticism is? It's the adult cry of a child. Have you ever seen a 40-year-old man throw a temper tantrum? Suck his thumb, shut down. I, I make a living on that. 40-year-old victim men have, have been very, very good to me. And it's like, you know, children in the vegetable department um, at the grocery store, three-year-olds, they'll throw a fit. But a 40-year-old man doing the same thing is one who is blaming, critical, playing the victim, hoping that mama will get him what he wants. Uh-uh. It is so hard to see that, though. It's so hard. But once again, how do you see that? Typically, you look into the eyes of another. We, we have got to be much more connectable. So looking into the eyes of another will help me see the truth about myself and where I'm broken, but it'll also bring joy. Lots more eye contact. Lots more eye contact. 
I see you. I see the light in you. So walk in the light. Turn over to, to Isaiah chapter one. <clears throat> Once again, um, Isaiah has this consistent message to where God is bringing um, judgment. Uh, he's blowing the whistle and he's calling a foul on the Jews. He's not going to just let them just play um, and, and, and beat up on uh, one another or his glory. God's a very jealous God. He's not about to share his glory. Look at just a small uh, portion of this passage that I've got in, in your notes. It's, it's hard to read and hard to hear. Isaiah 1, verse 21 through 23, just a small portion of that. Oh, can you believe it? The chaste city, which would be Jerusalem, of course, the chaste city has become a whore. Wow. Pretty strong language. She was once all justice, everyone loving or living as good neighbors, and now they're all at one another's throats. And, and, and if you're a, a writer in your Bible in the margin, just write out blame and criticism. Blame and criticism. Your coins are all counterfeits. Your wine is watered down. Your leaders are turncoats who keep company with crooks. They sell themselves to the highest bidder and grab anything not nailed down. They never stand up for the homeless, never stick up for the defenseless. Wanting their own way, demanding. God invites us to care for the widow, the stranger, the orphan, the friendless. You know, to be kind, to be generous, to be joyful. What do you do with your anger? What do you do with your anger? You know what the antidote to your anger is? Sadness. Grief. Your anger is um, a... Um, indicator of how you've been hurt, how you've lost, um, and how you um, experience pain. An angry man is a very hurting man, but that dog will bite you. And so if you really want to deal with your anger, you've got to find a relationship, a connection that you can begin to process how you've been hurt. I can have compassion on an angry man because I've got to put up with him for about an hour and then I'm going to send him out of my office. But what's it like to be married to an angry man? Or worse, an angry woman. Ah, to live with a contentious woman, that's dangerous. She'll bite you. But it, once again, a reactive angry woman or man is one who has experienced a lot of trauma and that reactiveness has got to be verbalized and you tell that story and you begin to deal with the pain rather than keep it in a frozen state of anger anger 
is like ice. It'll keep those old memories alive like ice on fish. But when you begin to melt the anger, you get healed because of the sadness. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. <clears throat> so jump over to chapter 2. And Isaiah tells his people to climb the mountain. Climb the mountain of healing. The message of Isaiah got regarding Judah and Jerusalem. There's a, there's a day coming when the mountain of God's house will be the mountain, solid, towering over all mountains. All nations will river toward it. People from all over set out for it. They'll say, come, come, let's climb God's mountain. Go to the house of God of Jacob. He'll show us the way he works so we can live the way we're made. Zion's the source of the revelation. God's message comes from Jerusalem. He'll settle things fairly between nations. He'll make things right between many peoples. They'll, re they'll turn their swords into shovels, their spears into hoes. No more will nation fight nation. They won't play war anymore. And listen to this. Come, family of God, let's live in the light of God. Wow, there's hope. There's a new way to do this. The joy of God. Turn over to Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 is, again, is, is part of Isaiah's sermon to to once again call the Israelites out on uh, getting rid of what they are doing and to repent and move toward the light. I, I love this passage. It's such a powerful promise. And we read verse 12 already in our introduction. Verse 9, if you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims. Quit gossiping about other people's sins. If you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lies will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lies will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiness, emptiest of places. Firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. And then verse 12 that we read earlier, you'll use the old rubble of past lives to build a new, rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. Full of joy, something different. But once again, you've got to acknowledge that what I do in my pain is I blame and criticize, I judge. I'm really not growing personally or relationally or spiritually. I'm just complaining. Where's the joy? I had the privilege of sitting with a pastor uh, who came to see me from out of state. He had driven several hours. Um, he had gotten my name from a mutual friend and been a pastor for over 40 years. So sad. Godly man, loves Jesus, came and sat with me and he said, um, Phil, I've lost my joy. I've lost my joy. And he just told a sad story of how um, 
there was this one guy in his church and the guy was evil. The guy was evil. You know, <clears throat> I'd have had a hard time if that guy showed up in my office, just not wanting to punch his lights out. But this dear, dear pastor had more compassion and kindness and gentleness than he needed. I think, I, I think he was overplaying kindness and gentleness and he had lost his fight and he was getting beat up by this guy. And it's like, you know, sometimes you've got to say no to evil and stand up for what's appropriate, set a boundary. I want to show you uh, a clip because once again, this idea of joy is, is so important. When, when we are transformed by Jesus, transformed in the way that Isaiah is promising the coming king, then joy is our internal experience. That is the indicator as we are growing in joy. Uh, that we have found that connection that we have longed for all of our lives, that that tells us, wow, I have Jesus. I feel a sense of joy that I've never felt before. Antoine Fisher is a great movie based on the true story of Antoine Fisher. And when we meet Antoine Fisher, he is an angry Navy guy. He's in the Navy and he's getting in a fight all the time and they tell him, look, we're either going to kick you out of the Navy or you're going to go to counseling. And Denzel Washington plays the counselor. Um, and so he does his work. He does his work. And, and in the movie, we find out his sad, sad story. And all along, he just wants to be loved. But the anger is his protector. Anger is not a good protector of your pain. He does his work. And I want you to watch this again. It is easier for, to experience joy than explain joy. You had an experience of joy here a few minutes ago. Watch this. This is Antoine Fisher uh, at the end of the movie. And I want you to watch. Watch what, you, what do you see and what do you hear? Very subtle. Watch this. Joy.
I don't want to explain joy. I just want to show it to you. I don't know that I can explain joy, but I know it when I see it. I know it when I see it. What does it look like? What does it look like to you? Have you lost your joy? When was the last time you shared joy? You experience joy. Once again, just this last slide here. The piece of the transformation puzzle starts with joy. Share joy. Receive it and give it. Receive it and give it. Share the joy. Joy means that someone is glad to be with you. Hello, we're so glad you're here. Welcome. What does that sound like? It sounds like Joe. It's what Joe says to us every Thursday morning. That's what we uh, just repeat over and over and over at Deer Camp. Deer Camp. Wouldn't it be great if your wife welcomed you home with just that phrase right there, and she really meant it? Welcome, sweetheart. Glad to see you. But, you know, you can just be bitter and be mad because she don't do that. How about, how about... You start doing that. How about you start doing that? Now, she might think you're on drugs after about two weeks, you know, but she'll get used to it. Just be consistent. The joy benefits. Joy is relational. Joy is contagious. Joy is transforming. Joy starts with a smile. Joy helps our brain grow better than any health food. Joy reduces stress. Joy has more social impact than looking sexy. Joy improves our immune system more than exercise. Joy protects marriages. Joy raises brighter, more resilient children. Joy improves resiliency after disasters. Joy spreads to transform lives. So guys, you cannot get joy by seeking joy. It won't work. I want to be joyful. No. You know how you get joy? By connecting to Jesus himself. By that connection. And then joy is the fruit of the relationship. If you seek joy, you will be miserable. If you seek love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit, you will be miserable. But if you seek the one who produces those in us, you will be transformed. Connection transforms us. So in order for joy to be a part of your life, my life, and in our communities, three things has got to be um, going on. First of all, both the weak and the strong are together interacting, always. 
the the the, the weak, um, the broken, and the giftedness of of my life and your life is in the same is in the room at the same time. It's not an either or. It's not a split. It's like I can share uh, my giftedness with you, but I can, but I've also got to share my brokenness. So both. And then secondly, there's got to be grace. Tender responses to weakness are the rule. And guys, we practice that as best we know how at our men's coaching weekends. You know, guy shares this broken story. We love on it. And then finally, the presence of God, the interactive presence of God, Emmanuel, maintains shalom and peace. Again, I can't, this is not a formula. It's a relationship connected to God. The joy of being joyful. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you have given us instruction in a way that draws us to you, not to a performance, but to a relationship. So thank you for our time this morning. We love you. Thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Thank you.